Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Good morning, church family. If you didn't know, we're going through the book of Revelation. It's been an absolute blast uh, thus far. I cannot wait to see what the Lord continues to do. Uh, We're in it for like the rest of the year, which if you're wondering how in the world are we going to go through one book for a whole year, don't worry, it's Revelation. There's a lot. So we are going to be diving headlong into this book. Uh, If I was to give this particular portion of Scripture a little mini-series title, I'd be calling it You've Got Mail. We're really looking at seven different churches that got letters from the Lord Jesus himself. Uh, This week we are on the church that is in a place called Smyrna. Smyrna translated actually gives us our word myrrh. Um, So if you know much about myrrh, plants, or spices, the way you get fragrances from them, take something like this, you smash it, you grind it, and then you get this fragrance that comes out of it. And man, what a perfect letter to the church in Smyrna, and what a perfect analogy for the church in Smyrna having the name myrrh. These were a bunch of believers that were being smashed for their faith. And yet, they're only one of two churches. It's Smyrna and Philadelphia are the only two out of seven that don't get some kind of criticism from Jesus about how they're living. These folks are so focused on the Lord Jesus that regardless of what comes their way, regardless of how smashed they get, they're going to live for him. So just like this plant, when you smash it and you get this beautiful fragrance, same thing for the church in Smyrna. They're getting smashed, and yet they're letting off this fragrant aroma for Christ And as a result, undoubtedly, people were hearing about Jesus and the gospel was spreading like wildfire. We may not be getting smashed like the church in Smyrna right now, but the day very well could be coming. Because all across the globe that you and I live on, in in most countries, it has become extremely dangerous to be a follower of Jesus. It's getting more and more like that in America. It's nowhere what it's like being in the Middle East, in many parts of Asia, in many parts of Africa. We've got brothers and sisters that are over there as missionaries. We've got brothers and sisters that were just flat out born over there that I've been able to correspond with. Even this morning, uh, there was a man from a place in Uganda that I was talking back and forth with. And it's getting tough over there to be a believer in the Lord Jesus. So be praying for them. If you don't follow the group called Voice of the Martyrs. There is an awesome opportunity just to hear about what's going on in the world and how difficult it is to be a believer in Jesus in many parts uh, of the world. Well, we are going to take a look at this church in Smyrna. It's short, but man, there is a lot to learn from this church. They only have like three or four verses dedicated to them, but just wait until you see what type of church this is. They receive a letter from the Lord Jesus. Again, it is to the church in Smyrna, but has tons of practical application for us as a church here in Albuquerque. So if you would, would you join me in standing as we read this letter from the king, and the king is about to address Um, His subjects, the Lord is about to address uh, those that he is Lord over. He is talking to his bride. And in Revelation chapter 2, we just have verses 8 through 11 this morning. Jesus says through John, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich in the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. 
Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. You can take a seat. Thanks, gang. Just in those four verses, again, if we were to sum this up, if we were to try to pack this into one sentence, the one thing that I believe Jesus wants us to grasp here in what he's saying to the church in Smyrna is that if we're truly living for Jesus, we're ready to die for Jesus. In fact, if you want to know what you're willing to live for, look at what you're willing to die for. So let me say that again if I could. We're truly living for Jesus when we're ready to die for Jesus. Have I asked you all this question before? Did you know you're going to die? Okay, good. Just checking. We're all going to die of something. And granted, yes, I know we all tend to think, well, I don't want to die too early. I don't want to die too young. Did you know that there's no such thing? In fact, we've all got our days numbered. So if Jesus tells me that my time to die is at the age of 47, then I'm going to die at the age of 47. And it's not too early. And it's not too late. So being the fact that we're all going to die, again, I don't have a death wish. I don't look to be martyred. I don't like persecution. I don't like trials and tribulations. But if I was blessed enough to get to die for Jesus, and then I went to be with him forever, What a blessing is that? So if for some reason things came our way where suddenly in order to be a follower of Jesus, you were told you were going to have everything stripped from you, maybe even your life, would you be able to look at your persecutors and say, I'm ready, and that it's a blessing to be able to die for the Lord Jesus? I don't know if we'll get the map to come up, but we're going to take a look at Smyrna today. Do we have that map, gang? Maybe. The map that you saw of the seven churches last week shows you the postal route that John would have taken or somebody would have taken if they were going to uh, be delivering letters. And the first church that we looked at last week was Ephesus. And the only reason that I even want you to know about that map is I just want you to know these are seven actual, real, literal churches going through real stuff. And today we're at the church of Smyrna. So if you were to have been going north from south, you got Ephesus, and then you get up into Smyrna, and John delivers this letter, and the first thing that they are told is to the angel of the church in Smyrna write. Now let me remind us that most likely when we use the word angel here, we just flat translated the word angelos into angel. It does not always mean a heavenly being. It literally means messenger. It is most likely talking about the teaching elder of that church delivering this letter and preaching it or or reading it to the church in Smyrna. Now remember the book of Revelation is the one book in the Bible that says that if you read it and heed it, there is a blessing that will come your way, which is what is a little bit mind-boggling about the church today. There's not a lot of churches right now that want to tackle the book of Revelation, or will, because there is a lot in it that can be maybe a little bit scary. Let me just say this to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, the book of Revelation is not meant to be scary. It's an encouragement. Now, it should put a little bit of the fear of who God is and what he's capable into our lives, but not because we're fearing that he's going to strike us down. It's simply because of the fact that he is our father and it's what he's capable of. I have two teenage daughters. One is 19 over at Grand Canyon University. The other one is almost 16 sitting up here in the front row, and they have had a healthy fear of dad growing up. 
Not, oh my goodness, dad's going to hurt me. But when dad says something and he raises his voice, we better listen. And it's time to start obeying. When mom looks at them and says, you're going to pay for this when dad gets home, I want them to be a little bit afraid. Now, do they know that dad loves them? Absolutely. There should be no question in their minds. Do I know that my heavenly father loves me? There is not a question in my mind. But I should have a little bit of reverent fear for who he is because of who he is. Well, this church in Smyrna apparently had more fear of God than they did of man. That's a good thing. What gets us really messed up in the world today is when we're more afraid of what man thinks than what God thinks. And so therefore, that being said, there will be some things that we will go through in the book of Revelation that the world doesn't like. There will be even be some in the church that don't think that we should talk about it or preach on it. But yet it's in the Word of God. So we're going to dig into it. And we're going to have a blast with it. So we're on the church in Smyrna. Now, remember, there's this five-fold process we're, we're going through with all of the churches. The first thing that gets mentioned to all the churches is the character of Christ. Who is he? And you're going to see today that the character of Christ that's described right here in verse 8 is that this, these are the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Okay, we're going to take a look at Christ's character. We're going to take a look at his commendation of the church. What are they doing well? Then we're going to take a look at the criticism of the church. Where, they, where do they need to improve? Then we're going to take a look at the challenge that he gives to the criticism. And then we're going to take a look at the counsel that he gives or the heeding to take counsel, or in, in good counsel, take the challenge so that I can give you a blessing. Okay, those are the five things we're going to take a look at with these seven churches every week. Starting with Christ's character, what do we learn about Christ right here in verse 8? Well, the character of Christ depicted here to the church in Smyrna speaks of his eternality and his omnipotence. Those are two big churchy words. We'll unpack those for you. But the, the character of Christ speaks of his eternality and his omnipotence. Now, he doesn't just randomly throw out different characteristics to these different churches. They each mean something special to each one of these churches. To the church in Smyrna, why would it matter that he's the first and the last who died and came to life? Well, we've read the rest of the passage. Remember, they're going through a lot of tribulation. There's a lot of poverty. They're being slandered by fellow Jews who are actually not really Jews, but they're a synagogue of Satan. Man. And sometimes people get on the pastor for saying certain things. John's pretty straightforward. Did you hear what he just called him? You're a church of Satan. Wow. Can you imagine somebody standing up here today and saying to maybe a denomination or a church that has decided to veer off the word of God so they can keep culture happy? Look at him going, you're a synagogue of Satan. You're a church of Satan. How well would that go in our culture today? Not very well, but you know what Jesus says? The most loving thing that I could possibly do for you is tell you the truth. That's the most loving thing that we could ever do for anybody. If somebody is in a false world system, has a false worldview, is following a false God, the most hateful thing that we could do is smile and nod like everything's okay. See, I, I, I want to be like, do you all remember the name Charles Haddon Spurgeon by any chance? Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great English preacher, once said, if anybody is going to go to hell, it's going to be kicking and screaming over my dead body. I love that. That's how much he loved people. He wasn't being a jerk. I mean, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he wouldn't do too well in 2023. 
just because of how he preached and how he spoke. He would get run out of town real quick. But Charles Hedden Spurgeon is one of my heroes of the faith just simply because of the fact that he, he feared God more than he feared man. May you and I always fear God more than we fear man. Well, what happens when they come to smash us for our faith? May we let off a fragrant aroma while we're being smashed. May we be those people that honor the Lord Jesus. Okay, I got to go back to verse 8. We might make it out of the first verse before today is over. I told you it's good we only have four verses. The words of the first and the last speak to his eternality. He says, don't worry, everything that's happening, I already knew about it. I knew it was going to happen before it happened, and I already know what the end result is going to be. And for some of you, it's not going to be good. In fact, you're going to get thrown into prison. But don't worry, I'm still in charge. It's only going to last 10 days. However, if I read the next part of the verse, the reason it's only going to last for about 10 days is many of them are going to be killed in prison. So he says, be faithful even unto death. But, again, here's where the encouragement of Christ's character comes out. But don't worry, I died and I came to life. Why did he tell them that? Well, we just sang a song about it. The resurrected king is doing what? He's resurrecting me. Did you know that if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, the grave is not the end? That if you follow the Lord Jesus, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which means that the moment that you breathe your last. Dr. Erwin Lutzer wrote a great book about it called One Minute After You Die. It's what you and I as believers will experience right after we breathe our last breath. I can't wait to see what that's going to be like. And then at the rapture, we're going to get those new bodies. And what all of that is going to look like, well, I'm not going to tell you right now because that's the rest of the book of Revelation. We're going to have an absolute blast with that. But know this. Jesus is in charge, even over life and death, because he who died came back to life. And so now, these believers in Smyrna hear that and go, well, if the one that we're following died and came back to life, I can take heart, knowing that he has the power over life and death, and that he already knew all of these things were going to happen. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6 And Isaiah chapter 48, verse 12, in both of those passages, God Almighty calls himself the first and the last. There was no God before me and there will be no God after me. And then what does Jesus call himself? The first and the last. Do you know what Jesus just said? Do you want to know who God is? I'm standing right here. God Almighty standing in their midst walking with them. Remember when Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, one of the last things that he said to his disciples, after go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and lo, what? I am. Stop there for a minute. Just his name, I am. Yahweh, God Almighty, is with you for how long? Till the end of the age, which means we are with him forever. Well, if I move on to verse 9, we are at the commendation from Christ. This is what they are doing well. He says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. The commendation that we get from Christ here is for their faithfulness, despite their suffering and the slander that they've had to endure. They get commended for their faithfulness, despite the suffering and despite the slander. 
You may not have seen this in that one verse, but there's actually four types of persecution that they have to endure. These aren't in your notes, and I probably didn't leave you enough room in the blanks if you wanted to write them down, but they're pretty important because there are four types of persecution that you and I are going to face if we continue to walk with Jesus. You might have, I have teenagers You might have grown kids, you might have teenagers, and especially if you have kids that are even younger than that, they are almost undoubtedly going to face all four types of persecution that we're about to talk about right now that the church in Smyrna went through. The first thing that Jesus says is, I know your tribulation. The word tribulation is the word thlispin, fun word to say, just the Greek word thlispin. It literally means crushing or catastrophic pressure from without. He's talking about government persecution. That's the first type of persecution. So four types of persecution they face. The first one is government persecution. We know this from studying history that a prominent form of religion in Smyrna was Roman emperor worship. So Smyrna was actually the first city to build a temple to what was called Dea Roma which was the goddess of Rome. So they built this temple, and then under Domitian, which remember, Domitian Domitian was a nasty guy who came up after Nero, who actually made Nero look like a boy scout. While John was writing Revelation, he's underneath the authority of Domitian, and every Roman citizen was forced to worship him. They had to. They actually had to come and burn incense on Caesar's altar, And then when they did that, when they came and they pledged their allegiance to Lord and God Domitian, which is what they had to say, and they burned their incense on the altar, they were then given a certificate showing that they fulfilled their duty. Here's why that was vitally important for some of them. If you got pulled over at any point in time by a Roman guard or by a Roman centurion and they asked for your certificate and you didn't have it, They had every legal right to kill you on the spot. So they could behead you, they could stab you, they could impale you, they could tie you behind horseback and drag you, and there was nothing that anybody could do about it because it was all part of law underneath Domitian. Well, at the age of 86, approximately 50 years after John had died, there was a disciple of John, one who had followed John and learned from him by the name of Polycarp. And if you never heard of Polycarp, he was an amazing man that refused to bow his knee to Domitian and to offer a sacrifice on the altar of Caesar. And so they took Polycarp and they burned him alive. And Polycarp was noted to have sung a hymn to the Lord Jesus while he was dying. Well, that was the first form of persecution. The second form of persecution was economic. So there was economic persecution. What did Jesus say? I know your poverty, but you're rich. That sounds like a little bit of a paradox or an oxymoron, but in order to stay faithful to Christ, they had much of their income taken away. They couldn't buy, sell, or trade. Talk about just a little precursor to what it's going to be like when the Antichrist comes on the scene. But what does Jesus say? Even though all your money has gotten taken away, they have taken over your home, They have even stripped you of your family. You're rich. Some of them might have been hearing this and going, what in the world are you talking about? Some would have remembered what Jesus said when he was preaching. Remember what Jesus said. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the rest of this stuff will be added unto you. And then he also told them, don't seek treasures 
which thieves can break in and steal, and moth and rust can destroy, but do what? Seek, store up, seek for, and store up treasures that are in heaven that no one can ever steal. They're yours forever. So I would encourage us as a church body to constantly, every day that we wake up, what am I seeking today? What am I treasuring today? What am I storing up today? Well, then there's the third form of persecution. It was religious persecution. He said, the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. You want to know who the true followers of Jesus are in any church body? Put us through persecution, trial, tribulation, or ask us to do something that is incredibly difficult from the Word of God, and you tend to find out who the true followers of Jesus really are. Things are not going to get better. And again, I'm not saying that to depress you. It's actually kind of exciting. The Bible was as clear as could be that things are going to get worse. There's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. There's going to be disease. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be famine. There's going to be people that are going to hate God. They're going to be insolent. They're going to disobey their parents. Does any of that sound like it's going on today? And all of that is going to get worse and worse and worse until Christ takes us home, until I believe he raptures us out of here. I can't wait. But things have to get worse before we get to go home. So there's this weird, like, crazy side of me that says, kind of exciting that things are getting worse. It's kind of, again, I don't like trial and tribulation. I don't want to go broke. I don't want to be naked and destitute. And by the way, I really like food. So not being able to eat doesn't sound appealing to me. But what does sound appealing is being clothed in the righteousness of Christ and sitting at his right hand and being part of the marriage supper of the Lamb. I can't wait for that day. That is going to be a better meal than anything that we have ever experienced. However, even in the midst of that, notice what it says, that you are going to be slandered by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. We actually have people running around that claim to be religious and yet they're some of the greatest persecutors of those that actually stick true to the gospel. Some of the greatest persecution has come at the hands of people that call themselves religious. And again, we should expect that to happen. Do you know that the more that we stand on this word, the more we're going to get attacked, both from the inside and out? We are actually warned in Scripture that people are going to pop up within our midst that are going to try to tear down what is being preached from the Word of God. It has happened. We've experienced it. You all have probably experienced it. And then there's the fourth form of persecution, and that's physical, actual, literal, physical persecution. So our four forms of persecution that Smyrna was experiencing, and that you and I will probably experience at some point in time, other believers around the world are experiencing is government persecution, economic persecution, religious persecution, and now we're looking at physical persecution. And what does he say? The devil's about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. This is most likely a literal 10 days that they're being thrown into prison, they're enduring brutal beatings, they're being tortured, and then eventually they're being executed. Because he says, I want you to be faithful even unto death. Well, it's because of their faithfulness, faithfulness that I believe, here's our third uh, piece of this puzzle, 
There's no criticism for the church in Smyrna because of their faithfulness in the face of persecution. I I believe there's no criticism of this church because of their faithfulness in the face of persecution. And so it warranted only commendation. Man, how awesome would it be to be a church like Smyrna? Now let me make sure that I'm clear on something. We're not saying they're perfect by any stretch of the means. They had to have had issues. Romans makes clear that we are all sinners, that we are all in a lot of trouble. However, with what this church was going through, Jesus saw no need for a criticism upon this church. They were displaying so much faithfulness that Jesus said, right now, I'm just going to focus on what you have done well. I would pray that regardless of what we go through as a church body, that we are so focused on Christ, that we have so made everything about Jesus, that when he looks down at New Covenant Church, he says, I just want to commend you for your faithfulness. Well done, good and faithful servants. Keep up the good work. It has been a blessing to be here. I think we are on month, in fact, I think it might be today, or it was last week, that we hit our four-month mark. Man, time has gone by fast. But I will tell you that just in the four months that we've been here, in getting the opportunity to spend time with many of you all in different small group settings, in one-on-one settings, we have a church body that is really ready to reach Albuquerque for Christ, that is ready to say yes to Jesus, and even when it's difficult, to follow him wherever it is that he leads us. I honestly believe right now we are in a good spot. Is it always going to be that way? Hey, I can't guarantee that. We might get to a point in time where some of us just annoy the bejeepers out of each other. We do dumb things. We sin. We hurt each other. But I do pray that when that happens, that we are good repenters, that we are good at asking for forgiveness. Again, I bring that up because the church in Smyrna was doing really well, and it makes me think of the direction that New Covenant is going right now. But I don't know what happened later on in their history. I do know that all seven of these churches got overrun by a false religious system called Islam, or what we call Muslims. All of Turkey right now, which is where all seven of these churches are, is approximately 98% Muslim. How did that happen? Well, I'm going to tell you it happened in much the same way that our country has deviated from the Word of God and has slowly but surely slid from what our country stood for when it was originally founded. Again, I know I'm walking on some toes here, but bear with me for a moment. If you go back and you study our history books, go back from when our country was founded 200 years ago, it was founded predominantly by men that stood upon the word of God and they didn't just believe in some distant deity, they actually mentioned the name of Jesus. We have slid over the course of that 200 years into all types of things like pluralism, relativism, or we throw around this word called tolerance, which basically means that we should just allow anything and everything, regardless of how much destruction it causes because we don't ever want to step on anybody's toes. And I will tell you again that the more and more that I read the Word of God, the apostles that were used by Jesus, Jesus himself, they stepped on a lot of toes. And it wasn't just to be a jerk. Again, I I think we have hit this on the head before. We are going to leave here and we are going to stand upon the gospel and the gospel exclusively. 
Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. He is the only hope of salvation that we have. He is the only God. He proved it. His word proves it. I will stand on that until they kill me or Jesus takes me home some other way. But all that to be said, I'm not saying that to be a jerk. I'm not going to shout in somebody's face. I'm not going to spit in their face. I will never demean their character. But I will never deviate from the word of God and what it says. And that's going to make a lot of people angry. Are we okay with that? Are you okay with people slandering you when you stand for the word of God? Remember, Peter spoke this to people that were being dispersed all over the place. He said, don't be surprised when they slander you, but when they do, because of the fact that you have presented the gospel with gentleness and respect, let them be ashamed for having slandered you. May we be a church that's never ashamed of the gospel. Are we okay with being a church that's never ashamed of this word, of this gospel. Let's look at the challenge that we're given. He does give them a challenge. So there's no criticism, but there's a challenge. Verse 10, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil's about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you'll have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. There are two things that he says in his challenge. Number one, be fearless. But number two, be faithful. Be fearless but be faithful regardless of what it is that you have to face. Someone much smarter than me once said, if your aim is to keep everyone around you happy, God won't be. I don't know how many of you all, any of you all watch the God's Not Dead movies? Any of them? God's Not Dead 2 was the one about a teacher who refused to back down for her faith. And in it, I'm going to paraphrase a little something that she said, but she said, I'd rather please God and be judged by the world then please the world and be judged by God. Amen, sister. That's the way to go. I would much rather please God and be judged by the world. Hey, did I ever ask you guys if you knew you were going to die? <laughs> Guess what? When you do, did you know that none of the people that we oftentimes work so hard to impress are going to be standing there asking us why they should let us into their heaven? It's not going to be a single one of them. Do you know who is going to be standing there? saying, why should I let you into heaven? God Almighty. And you know what the only answer is that we're going to be able to give as to why God should let us into his heaven? It's because of Jesus. Again, I'm, I'm thinking how thankful I am that the day that I stand before God Almighty, he doesn't see Dave Deshop. Instead, he sees the Lord Jesus. And therein lies the only ticket that I have into heaven. Well, let's wrap this up. Jesus gives some counsel. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That should start to sound familiar. He says it to every church. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. What is the counsel that he gives? Heed his challenge and you won't be hurt by the second death. That's it. Heed my challenge, and you will not be hurt by the second death. Now, I want to make something super clear. The scriptures cannot get any clearer on this. The book of Romans makes it as clear as can be. The book of John makes it as clear as can be. Actually, the entire Old Testament with the sacrifice of animals, looking forward to the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world, makes this as clear as can be. And what is it that's as clear as can be? There is no good work that I can do to get into heaven. 
There has to be what we call a substitutionary sacrifice on our behalf or we are absolutely doomed. Those are big words. Substitutionary just means substitute or in place of. Somebody has to die for me if I want to be able to get into heaven. And that somebody has to be absolutely perfect. And it doesn't go by a something. It goes by a someone. His name's Jesus. So who are those conquerors? Who is the one that conquers that won't be hurt by the second death? Well, the ultimate conqueror is the Lord Jesus, and anybody that puts their faith and their trust in him also becomes a conqueror or an overcomer. So who is it that won't be hurt by the second death? It's anybody that has put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That leaves us with a question today. Are you defeated or are you a conqueror? There is no in-between. We woke up in a war today and we are either on the side that is a guaranteed win or we are on the side that is in a, a, a given a guaranteed loss. Jesus has already conquered sin and death. His return is as good as done. Our being in heaven is as good as done. In fact, it's so golden that if you remember, the authors oftentimes write in the present tense as if we're already in heaven, but you're going, wait a minute, I'm not there yet. But then Jesus says, yeah, but actually it's as good as done. So just trust me on this one. You're going to be with me, seated in the heavenly realms forever. That is quite possibly the greatest piece of, of good news that you and I are ever going to receive. Amen? Let me spend a little bit of time and just pray for us. Jesus, we come before you and we just thank you for the fact that we are overcomers and we are conquerors, not because of anything that we have done. In fact, Lord, if we are left to our own vices, we are absolutely doomed. And yet, Lord, you moved us from a place of being doomed and cursed to a place of being blessed because we can know without a doubt that we're going to be in heaven forever because of you, Jesus. Remind us, as your word teaches us, that there's absolutely nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. Lord, continue to remind us that good works never got us saved, that it never produced salvation. But you did tell us in your word that our salvation should produce good works. So Lord, may we be those people that share the gospel regardless of what happens to us. May we be people that love others regardless of what they do to us. May we be people that pray for our enemies regardless of how they persecute us. And in doing all of those things, may we just simply reflect you. We think of how when myrrh is smashed, it puts off this beautiful and fragrant aroma. And Lord Jesus, when your church is smashed, if New Covenant Church ever gets smashed, may we be a people that don't get bitter, but instead we put off this fragrant aroma that people would see and hear and experience Jesus through us. Lord Jesus, we love you. It's in your mighty name that we pray today. Amen. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. Have a great week.